you know, sometimes going a little slower is okay. <clears throat> this week, when I was coming to the church on Friday, you know, I kind of leave always at the same time to get to where you want to go. <clears throat> and um, I get down here to a little east of Groomtown Road, Fraser Marsh Road, where uh, the uh, Randleman Dam Lake is, you know. I get about right there, start heading a little bit farther west, and well, one tree's in the road. That's not too bad. One lane was open, you can kind of go around it as you wait for traffic coming the other way. Go a little farther, and there's another tree in the road. You, you get uh, around that one, and you go a little bit farther till you start going up the hill to where Groomtown Road is, and kind of get up there to the top of the hill before you get to Groomtown Road. And trees kind of laying three-fourths of the way down across the road. Hmm. Tree truck in front of me, a couple cars in front of me, he turns around because he can't get underneath the tree. And as you're sitting there a little while and you're looking and car in front of you kind of eases real slow underneath that tree, gets way out in the ditch and gets all muddy and goes on. And hmm, I, got, I got my little itty-bitty car, you know, my Ford Festiva and sitting there thinking, do I want to try this or not? <laughs> Just kind of eased on around it and made my way on back to Archdale Friends. When I went home, I went a different way. I didn't go that way. But sometimes in our lives, slowing down a little bit and noticing what's going on around you and paying attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit is so vital and so key for our relationship with Christ. We just got to slow down sometimes. You know, I come in here to the office and I got 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 emails to respond to. Just get right at it. Day goes on, you get a few more, you just get right at it. Announcements come in, you just send them right on to Linda or Marlene. Just get right with it. And if you're not careful, and get so caught up in all that busyness that we forget to slow down and recognize that Christ, that the Holy Spirit, wants to speak to us right where we are, sometimes right now. They're in the upper room. They're in the upper room. They had gathered after Jesus left, after he had died. He told them that, to go on and to, he'd meet them there. And they were just to wait. Just to sit. And just to pray. And Peter was one of those in that group. And the Holy Spirit came. Filled their lives. Filled their hearts. And really changed them forever. You know, we've been looking at Peter here lately, or at least I have been looking at the life of Peter before we had um, our homecoming. And the Sunday before that, I was away on vacation. I'd been looking at the life of Peter and how his life had been changed so much after he encountered Jesus. Once we give our life to Christ, our lives should change. It should change forever. It should continue changing. 
And if it doesn't, we're missing the boat. I'm not talking about the boat that just went with Hurricane Michael or Hurricane Florence. But if our lives aren't changing, if we're not getting deeper and in a stronger relationship with Christ, we're missing it, friends. Because God's offering it. And if you want it, you can have it. And I hope all of us want it. In one of my messages a few weeks ago about Peter, I asked the question, can people really change? Can we change? Is a person stuck with the personality that they were born with or have kind of acquired as they've gone through life, are we stuck with that personality? If we're born rude or get a hardened heart through life or we become insensitive, do we have to change, stay that way until we die? Peter changed. The people in the upper room changed as the Holy Spirit spoke to their hearts. As they open themselves up to God. Can we change? Do we believe God gets inside of a person and changes their motives, their attitudes, and their desires? So we can can become a different people? We can see some of the contrast of Peter after he met Christ. Till as he grew more as an adult. Are we ready for change? That kind of change? A spiritual change? Christ knows you today, and he loves you. He also knows that there's more within you to be like Christ. To be there for your family, for our still friends, and for God. To trust him more. To understand the leading of the Holy Spirit and how God speaks to you. Just taking a little time, deviating your route, your regular routine, your day, so you can encounter the presence of Christ. Our faith can resemble a cocoon. Maybe you've seen a cocoon or held a cocoon in your hand. And if you have it long enough, or you let it go long enough, what does it become? A butterfly or a moth? It's released. It can fly. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. Once we come out of that cocoon, once Peter encountered Christ, once Peter's life began to blossom, he began to fly in a spiritual realm. In Acts chapter 2, after Christ's death and resurrection, he met the disciples and others in that upper room. And Peter was one of those standing in that room where the Holy Spirit filled the whole house. You know, some things might have gone on there that we completely don't understand. But when the Holy Spirit moves, we don't often understand it. We heard that as the Quaker men meeting this morning. When the Holy Spirit moves, we often can't explain it. How it changes us from the inside out. How Christ comes and just anoints us. And from this moment on, Peter really began to understand the purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection, which he hadn't understood before. In the Gospels, he really didn't understand why Christ had to die. But here in Acts, he begins to grab a hold of that whole purpose of Christ. The book of Romans hadn't been written at the time in which um, Peter was in the upper room. 
but I think that he probably understood what happened there in Romans chapter 12. And this is a scripture passage in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Moving towards holiness. Moving away from the world. And moving towards holiness, which is pleasing to God. Allow Him to work in you. Allow Him to work in us. Are you moving away from a should attitude to a want to attitude for God? You know, I should do this for God. I should read my Bible. I should go to church. To the want to attitude. Do I want to read the Bible? Do I want to be in church? Do I want to be a leader? Where's your attitude? What is it? And where is it? Peter was just a fisher of men. He was just a... First, he was a fisher of fish, right? That's what he was. He went out and just fished for fish. That's what he did first. That was his occupation. That's how he fed his family. He was a fisher of fish. Until he encountered Christ. And it changed him on the inside. To also be a fisher of men. He came from a should follower of God to a want to follower of God. One of the reasons I like friends, Quakers. Because they have always believed that all of us are ministers. No matter the occupation, everyone is a minister. Every day, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to God. So we see this difference in the life of Peter before and after. Before the Gospels, before Acts, and now during Acts. Is there a difference in your life before you met Christ and after you met Christ? Is there a difference? Can people see the difference in you before and as you did and now after? Is there a difference in your attitude, in your belief, in your following? Peter isn't a baby anymore. He has been transformed by the renewing of his mind. He had a head and heart faith. It takes both. We have to have knowledge as well as a compassionate heart. He did some digging of his own. He moved from the I should believe to I want to believe. I remember the time when I accepted Christ. I was in eighth grade and I was at a church camp. And I had eaten a whole bunch of uh, deviled eggs that evening at supper. I don't know, I didn't like what they were serving, so I ate a whole bunch of deviled eggs. And I knew that my mom wouldn't appreciate that. 
because she always thought you needed to have a well-balanced meal. But I ate, I don't know, 10 or 12 deviled eggs. <laughs> and I remember then going to the worship service and thinking, you know, Mom wouldn't be happy with me. She wouldn't like what I just did. If I'd have been at home, she would have probably taken the plate off the table or she would have said, you know, you got some other stuff to eat. And that night I went down to the altar and I accepted Christ. Actually, it happened outside after the service was over. We had a set of teeter-totters that was down over the hillside where there was a bank and you could see the teeter-totters and the light was hitting them just right in the form of a cross. And I knew right then that I needed to change some things in my life. And I made some changes right there. No one was around. I was there by myself. There wasn't a counselor, anybody. But I just stood there and looked at that cross and I said, Lord, if I need to make some changes, you show me. And, you know, he started showing me right away. He didn't wait long. The Holy Spirit can anoint you as we go through life. Let God grab your heart and make you more like him. Because he wants to change us forever. And those changes since that 8th grade experience, have continued to come. Another contrast we see in Peter's life before he met Christ, as he met Christ and afterwards here in Acts, is his fear. Even though Peter had already met Christ, he had some fears still within him. As a Christian, he was still afraid of some things. His fear of being a lonely fisherman. His fear of might what have happened to him if he continued to follow Christ. If you remember, Peter was asked right at Jesus' crucifixion, right before he was taken before the Sanhedrin, right before he was before Pilate. Someone asked him, a servant girl noticed him and said, hey, you belong to Jesus, don't you? You belong to him, don't you? And Peter says, no, not me. Not me. So Peter still had some fears. Some issues to deal with as a Christian. He still had some struggles in his life. He still had some temptations that he had to get rid of or to work on. How do we respond when someone asks us, Are you a Christian? Are you a follower? Are you a member of Archdale Friends? What do we say? Do we say, Yeah, let me tell you about my conversion? Let me tell you about our stale friends. Or do we kind of shy away and say, I'm not sure what to say? What do we do? In Acts 2.14, we see a change in Peter. He takes a bold stance for Christ. When he was in the Gospels, he was kind of fearful and afraid. But in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter has grown his Christian faith. And he tells people not to be afraid to follow Christ. He stands up for God. 
I remember as a child and as a teenager at times, my mother, who is now with the Lord, would sometimes say, why is it that we only sing at Christmas time, go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born? Why do we only sing that at Christmas time? Why don't we sing that all year long? And we should, shouldn't we? We should be able to sing that and share that message all year long. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. We should be able to tell it over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. We should let God change our life as we get older, as it happened with Peter and many others. Maybe there's a boldness that comes with oldness, I don't know. I was the last of five boys, and Mom always drug us to church. (laughs) But now I want to go. Now I want to be there. Not because I'm behind this. No, that's not what it's about. I know you provide a paycheck, thank you. But that's not what it's about. It's about standing up for God. It's about loving you with the love of God. It's about seeing your hearts and your lives changed in Christ. It's about seeing that light bulb go on and you wanting to draw closer to Christ. That's what it's about. It's not about anything else. It's not about the money. It's not about getting up here and in front of people and talking. I'd rather be riding a tractor, believe me. I'd rather be cutting down trees or taking care of cows. That's what I love to do too. But I'm here because of the love of God that he's given me to help change the lives of others and to draw you into Christ so your life can be changed too. As my mom's in heaven, I want to join her someday. I want to be there with her someday. And the only way that that starts is when I make a commitment to Jesus Christ and I'm willing to grow myself in faith. As I've gone through this life, there have been numerous people whose light has helped me on my spiritual journey. I've seen and witnessed their faith, their trust, their belief, and they believe, uh, believe, and they believed in me. And so that's kind of the heart faith, seeing people believe. But the head faith comes in some of the books that we read, starting with the scriptures. In his steps, by Charles Sheldon, what would Jesus do? The celebration of discipline by Richard Foster. The Christ of the Indian Road by E. Stanley Jones. The Journal of John Woolman, and a book by Donald Craybill called Amish Grace. If you haven't read Amish Grace, I encourage you to do that. It's about the story of when the Amish girls were killed in the school years ago, and their grace extended to the people or to the individual that took the lives of those girls. 
what grace they showed that community. Books, words, hymns, a listening ear, allowing the Holy Spirit to work upon our heart and mind will draw you closer to God, and it starts when we're ready to make that change. Another contrast in evident in Peter's life is his going from discouragement to determination. After Peter and some other apostles and followers of Christ had been arrested and they were kind of discouraged, they were brought out of the prison, they were flogged for speaking in the name of Christ, they were, to, they were let go and told never to speak in the name of Jesus again. But when you read Acts 42 in the fifth chapter, we see these words. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news. No matter what happened around them, all the discouragement that came, their determination was to share the love of Christ. Their lives had been threatened. They could have been killed. But they were determined not to give up or to give in. Come to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your condition so you can give praise for the King all the days of your life.